We were visiting, I might have mentioned this before, but we're going to continue our series Bold, where we look uh, for five weeks at five truths that should radically change us if we, if we grasp them properly. And this morning we're going to look at the biblical vision, which I'll unpack for us in a minute. Um, we're going to look at the book of Ephesians, so open up your Bibles there. We're going to do two sh- readings, one will be a bit shorter than the other. So open up your Bible to Ephesians chapter 1, and then we're going to jump to Ephesians chapter 3, and you'll see the theme. So Ephesians chapter 1, from verse 7 to 10, is where we'll start, and then Paul unpacks this a bit more in Ephesians chapter 3, which we'll jump to. Okay, I'm reading from the ESV, and it'll be on the screen for you if you don't have a Bible, but if you do have one, have it open in front of you. We're going to be looking at it all the time. So Ephesians chapter 1 from verse 7. In Him, that's in Jesus, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Okay, flick over to chapter 3, verse 1. I'm going to keep reading. For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I've written briefly, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit." This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of His power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints... This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in their heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, Paul was completely unaware of your plans and your purposes. What we see here is the mystery hidden in God himself for ages. But through a an encounter with you, you revealed everything to him. And no one on this planet can know that unless we have an encounter with you. So would you come this morning, reveal yourself to us, reveal your, your will to us, by your spirit be powerfully at work as we look at your word. 
Show yourself to us in your ultimate plans for this world that we might not walk in darkness, but in light, living life to the full understanding what's going on around us. And not just enjoy life more now, but enjoy it forever in a way that, that's more full than now, in a way that we will never comprehend until that day when we actually live it. Help us as we try and wrap our little minds around this great truth, Lord. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Now, on 7th of September earlier this year, Apple, the largest technology company by revenue at least, revealed their latest iPhone. They revealed the iPhone 14, and it comes in all these different models, and they had also a bunch of other different gadgets that they revealed. I only just found this out recently. I'm not that into it so that I was, you know, was glued to my screen when this happened. But Apple does this every year. Every year they, they, they reveal things. And what's weird is every year for months in the lead up to this revelation, people are wondering what it's going to be about. They worry and they write and they wrestle um, and they wonder. And, and, and it's kind of, to me, it just seems like a waste of time, to be honest. There's, an, uh, there's a whole um, website devoted to this. It's called Mac Rumors, you know, the MacBook. And, and, and its logo is an apple and a question mark that comes together, just constantly wondering, what is next? Now, to me, it just seems so stupid. Why don't you just wait until the day when they reveal everything and you'll know exactly what they've been up to? Now, why does Apple do this every year? It's because they have a vision and they've got a mission. And, 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 and they have a vision of the future, and their mission now is shaped by that, and they take action. So let me, let me share their vision with you. Their vision is this. We believe we are on the face of the earth to make great products. That's what they say. Now, what does a world with great Apple products look like? Well, this is where we get to their mission. Here's how they put it. We're, to br- we're bringing the best user experience to its customers through innovative hardware, software, and services. You see, these guys want to introduce new hardware, software, and services. And that's why every year they introduce a bunch of new gadgets. And their stuff is to bring the best user experiences. Okay, so they are not making stuff for IT gurus who wants to change millions of settings on their stuff and do millions of things. No, they just want a simple product for the majority of people. So do you see how their vision and their mission must shape what they do day in and day out as people sit there and think of something new? And then every year it gets revealed to everyone. Now our world can be a bit like what people are like before Apple does their big reveal. You know how people wonder and and worry and write about it? Our world can be a bit like that, but when it comes to God. People speculate and they wonder what he's up to and when are things, where are things going. But in God's grace, he has not only shown us how to be forgiven and become part of his family, but he has also revealed to us his ultimate plan for this world. We've called it the biblical vision. This is God's future full and final vision for his world. And so we don't have to worry. We don't have to wonder. We don't have to speculate about it. We simply need to line ourselves up with it. Just like those, you know, uh, the weird Apple people that on as soon as a new thing is released, they all line up in front of the shops because they know the date and they know everything. 
we just need to line ourselves up with God's will. Because it's the only vision that will fully be fulfilled forever. Can you believe that? Apple's vision will one day come to an end when they are no longer on this earth. But God's vision won't. It'll actually be fulfilled and it'll exist forever. So let's listen carefully so we don't miss out. So there's three things that I want us to see from these readings that I've done and a few others. The first one is this. As we think about the biblical vision, God revealed the mystery of His plan to us. I don't know if you've ever received a present that's not in a box. You know, when a present's in a box, it's hard to know what it is. But sometimes you get presents that's wrapped up just themselves, and you, you get a bit of an outline of its shape. And in, in some cases, you can clearly see <laughs> it's a hammer, okay? Um, but, but there's still some mystery to it. You know, what's the color? What's the brand? What are some of the final details? And then in other cases, you can't see for certain, and you can guess. But it's still a bit of a mystery, Now, does this mean that you will never be able to understand the mystery of this wrapped-up object? Do you you need some special vision, some supernatural thing? You know, like Superman's vision, maybe, so you can see through the wrapping and see what it is. No. Someone simply needs to rip the present open to reveal what, what was a mystery before. And that's what Paul means when he says here in Ephesians chapter 1, now we're at, Verse 8 there, look at what he says that God does. That God, in all wisdom and insight, made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. The mystery of God's will, also called His plan or His purpose, has now been made known to us. God has given us wisdom and insight to be able to understand and know His plan for our world. Uh, and and how it will end up at the end of time. And that plan that he will fulfill one day, he's revealed to us. Just like a a present that's torn open so that the mystery of what's inside is revealed, so God has opened up himself so that we might see the mystery of his plan. Look, have a look now. We're now in chapter 3. Look there in verse 9 of chapter 3 how it's explained. And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery. Where is this mystery? Hidden for ages in God. You see, this plan was hidden in God Himself for ages. The plan didn't come about when we found out about it. No, the plan was made before the creation of the world and kept in God to Himself until He revealed it to us. And when Jesus came as God in the flesh... He revealed this plan to us, especially as He was torn open on the cross and we saw crystal clear how the plan works. Now, now we have to remember, okay, it wasn't only when Jesus arrived that God's plan of, for this world was shown to us. It was revealed beforehand, but not as clearly as it has now been revealed in Jesus. In our Old Testament, God shares His plans, often in promises, with His people, but there's always a sense of mystery to it. Have you found that when you read the Old Testament? Think of um, when God makes a promise to Abraham in Genesis 12, and He says to him, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Wow, how's that going to happen? Now think of Daniel chapter 7, when God reveals that there's going to be this uh, spiritual being that also looks like an earthly person, 
who is going to come to God on a cloud and God's going to give to him all glory, all authority and a kingdom that will last forever. How's that going to work? Well, think of God's promise in Ezekiel in chapter 11 and 36, how he will rip out the hearts of stone of his people and replace them with hearts of flesh so that they all are united and have one heart and fill them with his spirit. Wow. Can someone... Can someone make sense of that to me without Jesus? I don't think we can. But in Jesus, we can see how these things have all been fulfilled. It's like finally, you know, we got these gifts in the Old Testament wrapped up and we could see the shape of them, but couldn't quite work out what it is. And now finally God has opened it up for us and we can see. Another way you can think of it is is in the Old Testament. God has revealed his plan and it's like a shadow. You can see its shape. You can't make much out of someone's shadow. But then in the New Testament, when Jesus arrived in his incarnation, his life, his death, his, his, his resurrection and ascension, we finally see the man of the shadow, crystal clearly in 3D. Look how it's put there in our passage from verse 4 of chapter 3. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. You see, the mystery of God's plan was made known to people before our time, but not in the same way it has now been revealed in Jesus. Thank God for that. Praise him. When I think of this, I often just want to just praise him and think, thank you that I live after Jesus. It's great. Now, what, what makes this, and I mean, that's what Paul does in Ephesians 1 when he raises this, actually, he just breaks out in praise to God. Now, what makes it even better is not just seeing that Jesus is the one that fulfills a lot of these Old Testament promises, but also in him, we have a future plan that's revealed in a way that it has never been revealed before, a plan for the end of all things as we know it. Have a look there at Ephesians, we're in chapter 1 now again, verse 9. It says, God, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Where is everything headed? What's God's vision for all things, things unseen and things seen? His vision is to unite all things in Jesus things in heaven and things on earth. That is, uh, all things spiritual and all things physical will be united fully under Jesus one day. Now listen, this is where our human minds reach their limits, I think. And even our words to try and explain it fall short. It's huge. It's massive. I, I seriously can't fully explain it to you. It's truly awesome. You know how we say H.J.'s burgers or Macca's burgers are awesome? They're not awesome. This is awesome. Now, don't just imagine, if, let's try and get our heads around it a bit. Don't just imagine Jesus, you know, flying in the sky and like a magnet, things are coming to him and they're kind of just hovering there and hanging there and you think, man, that doesn't sound that great. No, this is heavenly creatures who love Jesus being united with those on earth who love him. And this is all of creation, as we see in Romans chapter 8, that's been groaning under the burden of sin, finally being set free. And all of these things are brought together under Jesus. 
You've got the creation with the, all the animals, the earth. You've got the people, physical, that, that have united themselves to Jesus through faith. And you've got all the heavenly creatures, the angels, and, and anything else that Jesus uses up there, all being brought together and united in him. Jesus will finally and fully remove all of those in heaven and on earth who reject him. And then the earth will be purified and renewed and, and all of creation and everything from heaven and earth will be united under Jesus' rule on this planet. Things will be as they were always meant to be, as we long for. Things will be new, not like we experience it now. Don't think about it as now. It'll be a new heavens and a new earth. One way to think about it is to imagine all the fragmentation of our world. It's so fragmented, isn't it? There are division between sexes and races and countries like Ukraine and Russia. Uh, That's why the United Nations was created, because there wasn't unity between the nations. (laughs) They They didn't start themselves because it was going well. They were starting themselves because there was division. There's division between political parties. You know, that's why someone probably started the Uh, the um, United Australia Party, because they felt the fragmentation of a nation. The reality is we don't live in a universe, do we? Universe meaning united. We live in a fragniverse. We've all experienced the fragmented nature of our world. Division, disharmony, disunity, hurt. But one day, all of that will be done away with as Jesus unites all things in himself. There will be no more division, no more disharmony, no more disunity, no more pain as a result of it all. Only unity as Christ fills all in all. Now one of the questions that we have to ask ourselves as we just try and wrap our heads around this is why does God even share this plan with us? Why does he share it with us? He doesn't have to, but he does. And he, and he goes through a lot of pain, I think, to do it, to set up all these kind of um, uh, shadow-like pictures in the Old Testament, you know, like the presence wrapped up that gives a bit of an idea. And then he goes through so much to reveal to us the full uh, picture in Jesus so that we can recognize him as the ultimate fulfillment of God's plan of the world. Why? Because he loves us. He loves us and he wants us to be a part of it. Look at what Jesus says in John 15, verse 15. He says to his disciples, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You see, Jesus doesn't just want us to be some sort of servant in God's plans, simply doing what we're told, being like a piece on a, on, a, um, uh, on a chessboard or something. No, he reveals the plan to us so that we can join in, and so that we can become friends. We can unite ourselves to Jesus through faith now so that we can be part of that great and final day when all things <coughs> are united in him. Have you ever asked someone um, what they're up to and they just say, it's none of your business? 
What's the vibe you get? It's not love, is it? It's not that they say, oh, I'll tell you what I'm up to and, and I want you to be a part of it. No, it's none of your business. You're not allowed to know the plan or enjoy it with them. But that's not the case with Jesus who shares the plan with us and lets us share in it with him because he loves us. It's great. So that's the first point, is that God has revealed the mystery of his plan to us. And secondly, we see this. Oops, We bring the plan to light through speech. Now, if you're a parent, you've probably found yourself running to a screaming child in the middle of the night. When I, when I go to Zoe, you know, you're just like running through the house. And, and the first thing I do is I just try and cuddle her. She's like, hey, it's all good, it's all fine. And then I start finding her dummy because that's the, the only answer, right? And so you're like in the cot, you're trying to pat her here. And you go, oh, I can't find the dummy. Okay, then you're down on the floor, under the cot, in the corner. And then you're behind yourself. I don't know if you've done that as a parent. And if you've done something like this, similar in your child's room, you'll know how painful it can be. Okay, so when you walk in, you step on a Lego. Or then when you're down there and you're looking, you thought that the cupboard was over there, but it's actually here, and so you hit your head. Or you rush in and you hit your toe against some furniture. It can be frustrating, and sometimes you just have to put the light on, and everyone's like, oh. But at least it helps, and you get it all sorted. Now, friends... People who don't know of God's plan for this world is stumbling around in the dark like that through life. They hurt themselves because they don't know what they're dealing with. They get frustrated and they can feel empty. But when we bring Jesus into their lives, the light of the world, then all of a sudden things make sense in light of Him. Look look how it's put in our passage there from verse 8 of chapter 3. Paul says, To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles uh, the unsearchable riches of Christ. Look at this. And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God. You see, God God shares His plan. This mystery that has been shared with us and now revealed, we share that. When we bring this plan to light for people, we we bring light into their world, their dark world that they've been stumbling around trying to work out what life is all about. And we don't just want to share this kind of big plan with them of, of what things will be like and how Jesus is going to unite all things to himself, but we also want to share with them how they can be united with Jesus now. That's one part of God's plan that's been made crystal clear. And that's how people are united with Jesus now, in the only way, actually. Look there at verse 6 with me. It makes it really clear. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. You see, back in the Old Testament, you, you can only understand light in the Old Testament. Back in the Old Testament, God had chosen for himself a people, the Jewish people. And they were central to all of God's plans and promises. His blessings was only going to go to them. But it was also meant to go to the Gentiles, to all peoples, to all nations, to all languages. But it was a mystery how this would happen until Jesus came. Look, look, what, we, look what Paul says earlier in Ephesians 2. 
For he, so this is talking about Jesus, he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Let's try and unpack that. You see, when God chose the Jews and he gave them his law, it created a division. It separated them from everyone else. And that, that was part of the plan. They were meant to be holy and separate. Um, but if you wanted to become part of God's people, <coughs> you had to live by this law. And if you didn't want to or you couldn't, well, then you're never going to experience God's blessings. And so you had these two groups in life. And this is how the Jews still see it. You had Jews and you had Gentiles separated by this dividing wall of hostility, as it says in verse 14, which was the law. And so ultimately you had law keepers and you had law breakers. And the law keepers, the Jews, were very arrogant and very prideful. And they were looking down on people, judging them because they were better than everyone else. And that's how all the hostility came about. But when Jesus comes... He says to the lawbreakers, look, you're not good enough. You don't even want to try. And when you do try, <coughs> you fail and you break the law, even if you don't know it. But he also says to the law keepers, you're not good enough either. Yes, maybe you keep the letter of the law, but you don't keep the spirit of the law. You don't love the lost. You, you, you don't do this well enough. You don't have my heart. And so he says to them, they're not good enough either. And so Jesus came to perfectly fulfill the law and gave himself as an atoning sacrifice for both Jews and Gentiles so that these two groups might not exist, but there might be a third group called Christians as Jesus makes one new man in himself. And he says that he's making a new humanity, replacing these Jews and Gentiles. And so if people trust in him, they will be reconciled both to God and to each other as they trust in Jesus. And so we're united not only to Jesus, we're united to God and we're united to each other. And we're starting to share in God's ultimate plan of uniting all things in Jesus. This is what we have to share with our fractured and our hostile and our world that's not in harmony. Look how Paul puts it at the end of Romans. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, this is the same as what we've been seeing. Look, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed through the prophetic writings and has been made known to all nations. Look at this. According to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. God has commanded that this mystery that has been revealed be brought to light to the nations. We're going to look at that a bit more next week. But he commands this so that people can hear and so that they can obey and so they can no longer live in darkness but perfectly know and live out the ultimate plan for them and for this world. Just like Paul brought the gospel message to light for people through speech, so we should too. Uh, look how he puts it here in Colossians chapter 4. 
Continue steadfastly in prayer, Paul says, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, (coughs) pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. As we speak the mystery of Christ, we need to be praying. Firstly, that God would open up doors for us and opportunities to share it with people. Secondly, that we would make it clear as we ought to, as Paul says. Paul understands this is a difficult thing (laughs) to wrap your head around this and then to explain it to people, but we try our best to make it clear. And then thirdly, we need to pray because this can only be made known to people by the revealing work of the Spirit, as we see there in Ephesians 3, verses 3 and 5. And so Paul spoke the message, you know, think about it. This doesn't mean that as we share clearly and as we're praying that people are always going to understand. Paul clearly shared the message as clearly as he could, sharing of God's wisdom in making the Gentiles part of God's people. And people said, no, that's foolishness. Paul was sharing clearly about this message of light and life, and yet people said, that it was bringing up death and darkness. Paul shared how Jesus' death breaks us free from our bondage to sin and death. And yet, people would say, uh, Christianity enslaves people. That's what our culture thinks today, I think. And so we need to pray that God would, in His rich grace, reveal to people in all of His wisdom and understanding the unsearchable riches of Christ by His Spirit. You know what, we're praying here tomorrow night at 7.30. Why don't you come join us as we pray that we might boldly speak the gospel. So that's the second point, that we bring the plan to light through our speech. And then thirdly and lastly, we make the plan known through living as the church. Now our previous point was about verbally sharing God's plan of uniting people to Jesus with our world because they are unaware of God's ultimate plan. This point is about living in a certain way to make God's plan known to heavenly creatures. It's remarkable to think that God has decided to reveal His plan to those in heaven, on, uh, in heaven and on earth, and the way that He makes it known to those in heaven is through the church. <laughs> Have a look there from verse 9. And Paul says, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. Why? So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Wow. Just wow. Get this. What Jesus is doing in the church right now is a microcosm of what he will do at the end of time when he unites all things in heaven and things on earth. He's starting right now, and you can see it in the church. Remember how he said that Jesus will one day unite all things to himself, things in heaven, things on earth, and it'll be the opposite to a fragmented and broken world, the world that we live in. Another way you can think of that whole thing is to say that one day Jesus is going to fill all things. Have a look at what uh, Paul says in Ephesians 4. 
He who descended, so that's talking about Jesus who came down, is also the one who ascended after his resurrection far above all the heavens. Why? That he might fill all things. The new heavens and the new earth will be filled with Jesus' presence, with Jesus' love, with Jesus' joy. It'll be filled with his righteousness, his goodness, his grace. Everything will be filled and and shaped by his rule, his order, his desire. Everything will be shaped by the truth of Jesus. It'll be so good. And what will happen on that day is already happening in the church now. As we are filled with God's Spirit, Jesus is already filling us. It's already happening now in the church so that Paul can say this in Colossians 3. 11, he says, here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised. You see all the division, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free. But Christ is all and in all. You see, one day Jesus will unite everything through the peace that he has brought about through his blood and he will fill all things. And he's already doing that in the church, friends. And as the church is filled with Jesus' Spirit and in unity with one another, shaped by the gospel, the heavenly rulers and authorities get a snapshot of what will happen one day. As as, as Christians live as they ought to, as the church of Jesus Christ, which Ephesians 4, 5, and 6 is all about, we make known God's plan even to the spiritual world. Remember um, how Apple do those reveals, right, every year? And it lines up with their vision and their mission. Uh, God does the same. He has new reveals of his unfolding plan all the time. And the evil forces in the heavenly realm shudder as they see it because they know their days are numbered. Think about it with me. Every time we have someone who share their testimony and how they've started trusting in Jesus, and they're baptized. Well, God reveals a new product of his unfolding plan. Every time a marriage is about to be torn apart, but God miraculously brings them together through the powerful working of his Spirit and through the truths of the gospel, well, he's making his plan known. Every time, think of this, parents, every time a parent goes to a child who they've hurt, get down on their knees, confesses their sin, and ask for forgiveness, God is making known the manifold wisdom of his plan. He's making known the mystery of his cross work to those in the heavenly places. You see, church, it matters how we live, who we are in Christ. And I hope this last point will at least make you take the church that you're a part of more seriously. Jesus is using us to make known the the many and various ways of God's grace and His wisdom and how it's impacting us now. He's making that known to the heavenly authorities. How this will happen not just now, but also for eternity. Let me finish like this. It's almost like in those three points, God has given us His vision You know, he's made known the mystery of his plan. He's given us his mission. What are we meant to do? 
We make known his plan. We bring it to light through speech. And then he's also doing a reveal all the time as we live as the church. And so how do we finish? Well, um, I don't know if you know this, but Apple, uh, their stocks began trading publicly in 1980 on December 12th, and you could buy a share for $22. So if you'd invested $1,000 into Apple during those early years, your investment would be worth over $1.6 million today. That wouldn't have been a bad superannuation plan maybe back then. Now just imagine if you could go back to 1980 and you're walking in the streets of New York or wherever it is and you bump into Steve Jobs and he's got these little flyers saying, hey, I want to start a company called Apple. <laughs> Look at the logo. And you think, oh my gosh. And he says to you, do you want to invest $1,000 in this? If you knew what you know now and you could go back, would you not do anything to scrap together 1000 bucks and invest it in Apple? Now, I want you to imagine something even greater. Imagine on the 16th of October, 2022, that God has revealed to you that at the end of time, everything will come to nothing except those things united to Jesus. Those that are united with Jesus will also be united with creation, with all the creatures in heaven and on earth. They will enjoy life in a new and deep and everlasting way as the spiritual and physical realms again are united perfectly and we're filled with all the fullness of Jesus. There will be unity. There will be peace. There will be goodness. There will be truth and life. Everything we've longed for. And it's free. You simply have to trust in Jesus and unite yourself to him by faith. Surely anyone in their right mind would give up everything to join Jesus and this plan to see it come to reality, won't they? Have you? Let's pray. Father God, wow, you've set something up much greater than Apple something that's worth much, much more. If they can do that in 40 years, what can you do in thousands of years? You, the one, Jesus, that have received all authority in heaven and on earth, who, who has all glory, and you have been given to the church. What a wonderful thing, a thing it is to think that you are the head of us, the church, and through us, as we live out who you are in us, you make known your plan to the heavenly authorities and rulers. What an amazing thought that is. Would you give us boldness to keep uniting ourselves to you that we might be filled by your spirit and start experiencing something of what will happen on that great day. Would you also give us boldness to share this with people. We live in a world and we can clearly see this in our region a world that is broken, that's fragmented, where there's a lot of hurt, not a lot of love, not a lot of harmony. People are fighting with each other. Families are broken. Marriages are falling apart. We've got the good news that can unite them, that can bring about peace, not just now, but forever. Give us boldness to speak the mystery of Christ and of his unsearchable riches to us. Uh, 
Speak it to people, Lord. Please help us. Give us opportunities. Open up doors. Help us to speak it clearly, even if we fumble our way through it. May we trust that you will do your great work of revealing it to people. May we even gather tomorrow night and pray for these things, Lord, that you might do great things in us as we boldly proclaim Jesus and live out what it is that we are as the church. And we pray this all in his name. Amen.